abide with each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Savior. Amen. What a, uh, a appropriate phrase for us to sing and therefore to reflect on as we gather together this morning around God's Word, around these scriptures that have been laid before us. But what is the world to me? And I have to tell you, and I think you probably would acknowledge this as well, whether it's because of recent travels you may have done or uh, your life journey of the things that you have been able to see. But for most of us, the world is a pretty amazing and wonderful place. Filled with the fingerprints and marks of a God who loves. A God who in his creation has revealed his power, his presence, and yes, his very love for his people. And even though you and I, we live in a world that is tainted by and infected and affected by sin, it is still a marvelous and a beautiful place to see and explore and experience. Well, this summer, like often for many of us, includes some uh, time of vacation. And and our family has just uh, come back from a couple of weeks of uh, travels, uh, adventures, uh, good food, uh, and all kinds of the things that come with the idea of a vacation, rest, and, and just getting away from maybe to some extent a normal routine And I think uh, there are certainly many blessings that come with that, but one of the things that I find myself doing more and more on vacation is people watching. Now, it is particularly true when, you know, I travel like earlier this uh, summer to Haiti and was there on a mission trip, and, and you're observing the culture and the people and the smells and you know, all that you are exposed to and around. But it's not just limited to when we maybe do international travel. It happens right here within our own nation and our own state. I I find that when I'm traveling, there's something about taking time to not just observe the scenery or, you know, the history, but to look and observe the people to watch and to absorb their culture and their food and, and even their language, the way they communicate, the way they interact with each other. And I find that I'm not only doing so watching the people that are local, but there's something about watching the tourists and the people that have traveled to be in that place. Well, I've noticed something the past few years that, for whatever reason, maybe wasn't as evident to me earlier on, but it certainly is now, but I've noticed how many people build into their vacation shopping. It's everywhere. You go to a a new town or city, and, and if it's in some way, you know, a place that's a draw for uh, tourists, vacationers, you're going to find all kinds of shopping that's built around those people. 
we were in San Francisco last weekend, and, you know, right in the middle of the city, you know, a monstrous mall, and now another one's being built right next to it. And you're like, okay, I know, you know, millions of people live here, and they need to shop too. But it really seems that it's primarily focused on attracting the tourists. And it's not limited to San Francisco, I mean Orlando. Have you ever noticed that one of the hottest items for sale when you go to the outlet mall or the malls over there are suitcases? You notice how many places are selling suitcases? The reason? you got to have something to put all the stuff you buy to bring it home. Shopping has become very much... Um, you know, a, a part of it, whether it's, you know, the touristy items or whether it's everyday items, whether it's, you know, jewelry or clothing. But here's what I wondered this time. And then when I came back and began to read through our, our lessons, our, you know, readings also uh, drew me to this issue over possessions. Are we more concerned with this earthly life and possessions than that which is eternal. Now you're expecting me right away to begin to answer that question. But I am very intentional, and I'm very intentional at this moment just to allow that question, are we more uh, focused or concerned with this earthly life and possessions than we are of that which is eternal. What do you think? More focused on the here and the now or more focused on that which is to come and that which is through Christ? What do you think? Just throw out your first response. Here and now. Appropriate phrase. Thoughts are running through your mind. Let me give you a couple of things that strike me when I consider this question. How about the reality that to a great extent our economy is built upon, to a great extent, the building of and the selling of things that we can possess, things that we can use and enjoy personally. And, and if you notice it very quickly. When a little bit of a bump comes into the economy... Those are the things that, you know, we somewhat begin to give up. We buy, you know, a new car less frequently. We buy fewer clothes or whatever it is. We postpone things, but notice how it often quickly affects the economy further. We have an economy that's built upon retail, possession, homes, cars, and the evidence is in the debt. The average American today, excluding a mortgage, has $38,000 of personal debt. Now, you and I, maybe we are an exception to that, but that's the average debt that people carry because of a focus on here. Now, we are drawn to owning or the possession of things and and sadly, often to an excess. Um, I, I wondered this because 
driving earlier to uh, Nashville, Brentwood this summer where we had first served and uh, a few other places, I just noticed what I used to call McMansions. And I quickly on Friday Googled and said, what's the average square foot size of a home in America? In 1970, it was 1,400 square feet. Today, 2,700 square feet. Big difference, isn't it? But how about this one? Drive around the villages and areas like this, and what is one of the number one things being built besides assisted living places? I know, because that one's the obvious. This one you may not have noticed. How about storage facilities? On some prime real estate, in order to store the stuff we can't fit or use in our home. Oh well, I guess my point gets across. We are people very easily that are very much focused on the here and the now, this world, and the things of this world. Well, in our gospel reading, a man comes to Jesus and ask, and maybe a better way to describe what he does, is he demands of Jesus uh, for him to tell his brother to divide the inheritance with him. Now, the issue here is not of fairness. The issue here is greed. In response, Jesus tells this parable to the man about one who worked hard, had a bumper crop, and didn't even have enough room in his barns to store all the grain that, you know, came forth from his labor and his fields. And then, I want you to note, by the way, before I go on, that God here is not condemning the need for such hard work, for the blessings, or even the bountiful harvest that can come. I'll touch on that a little bit in a few minutes. But the man basically has a, a conversation in his head. And uh, if I were to ask for you to show your hands, you'd probably hesitate. But isn't this what we do? We face a circumstance. We face something. And we're like, wow, well, what should I do with this? What should I do in this situation? This is what's going on in this guy's head. He says, well, what should I do? What a great question. Because we too should regularly be asking ourselves, what shall we do with the lives, with the blessings that we are given? What should we do? Well, Jesus gives a very direct, maybe some would say harsh, answer, basically saying to this man, don't be a fool. <laughs> Well, that ought to catch his attention. Don't be a fool. Don't let this be it all or even the primary focus of your life. Don't let this be a wedge that somehow limits your uh, relationship with God in your life. Instead, give your attention over to your eternal home, eternal things. Now, this is not what that man was looking for. He wanted to have a share that would go to the oldest, who would then have, in a sense, the role, the responsibility of the oldest son to tend to the family's needs. 
The Lord here, my friends, is not saying that the things and blessings of this life are to be denied or to be rejected. Remember, He is our Father. He is our Creator. He is the giver of all good things. He loves to bless and provide for His children. The question, however, is, but are you, are we, allowing these things, this world, to get in the way or to become an idol in our lives? Are they more important than keeping our eyes, our focus, on the prize, on that which is to come? Are these things interfering with our relationship with God and His greatest gift of grace, of forgiveness, and life that is eternal? And by the way, this is nothing new. We might think that, you know, we are the most prosperous and the most blessed of generations and people, but it's been in the world, well, almost forever. How about our reading from Ecclesiastes? Meaningless. Meaningless. Utterly meaningless. <laughs> and he had everything. I mean, everything. Wealth, prosperity, great food, homes, palaces. And yet his response it's meaningless. I think what he is helping us to see in this reading is that, you know, such a view of life being about here and now and the things of this world lead us to get things out of order or out of priority. And so then we begin to use part of the phrase that uh, Jesus responded to this man, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. And before I jump ahead to that part, but that is not what Jesus is saying. It's often how, in a sense, we live because each of us are, except for one little one here this morning, on the downhill side of life. We do not know what day we will die. And so it's like, let's enjoy it now. Let's do it now. And by the way, God provides us these opportunities, but are they in balance? Have we gone to him asking that question, what should I do, Lord? How can I or should I honor you in this? You know, I like the wisdom that is offered through Proverbs chapter 3, uh, particularly, I, I appreciate the translation out of the message, verses 5 through 12. Listen to how he gives us guidance. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, where, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. 
Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. But don't, dear friend, resent God's discipline. God loves to bless his children. He blesses us out of his fatherly goodness. He, he blesses us because he wants to provide for our needs, needs in this world. And when he gives us, and he very often does, beyond what we need, the question maybe we need to ask is, in this life, what are we storing up? What are we spending most of our time with? What are we immersing and investing ourselves into the most? What are you storing up? That's for you and me to answer personally. But some equate this passage that we are given today uh, out, out of uh, the gospel. They equate it with Matthew chapter 6. Do not worry about your life or what you will wear or what you will eat. Because the Lord ends up dismissing that issue when he says, How much more will God also take care of you? all of his children. In contrast today, our parable speaks about worry or less about worry and is more about security. It speaks less about worry and more about where we find security. But here's the problem. Us worrying about whether we are secure, whether we have what we need, whether we'll have it tomorrow or next year, often leads us to somehow taking hold of that which is false security. So what should we be storing up? Faith and trust in the Lord and his provision for today and for eternity. Yes, as the explanation to the first article of the Creed says, we should remember all this he does purely out of love, divine goodness, and without any merit on our part, out of fatherly goodness. Therefore, it is our duty to love, thank, <coughs> and praise him for these things. Love, thank, and praise him for all of these things. So to those who are rich or blessed, and by the way, that's all of us, because that praise of rich or blessed, it's relative. But if you need to compare, just compare yourself to the world as a whole, and every one of us are. For those of us who are rich and blessed, but without regard for God and his will, he calls them fools. For tonight your life will be taken. You see, what the man forgot was who does all of this belong to? His calculation was wrong. Build, store up, trust in myself. I've got this figured out. I know what to do. I know what's going to happen. 
And he says, take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. You see, what he did is he forgot about God's role as a provider. May we this day and every day arise to celebrate and give thanks to the giver of all good gifts. Give thanks to the one who indeed has blessed us abundantly. And may we arise with the wisdom to ask, Lord, what should I do? And follow his leading that in all that we have, we honor and we bless and we serve him. To God be the glory. Amen.